Superman Forever Radio, Episode 91, Supergirl. than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, people believe tall buildings of a single bound, the infant of ship town is now the man of steel, Superman! Hello and welcome to the Superman Forever radio podcast. My name is Bob Fisher. This is a show where I take a look at an aspect in the great long history of the character known as Superman and talk about it. Could be anything, TV, movies, cartoons, animation, and of course the comic books. Well, there is a lot going on in the world of Superman over the last couple of weeks. So much, I hardly know where to start. And in fact, I have now recorded the opening to this show uh, several times because it seems like something is happening new every day where I could almost put a podcast out every day talking about for a few minutes the new stuff that's happening. That's how much that's going on in the world of Superman. I'm trying to avoid spoilers, of course, for um, Batman v Superman, the Dawn of Justice. So uh, and that's actually been a little quiet anyway. Uh, they're in post-production, I assume now, cleaning, doing whatever they're going to do, special effects. They might be doing some shooting indoors. But anyway, I'm not paying really any attention to that. Uh, I just want to sit down in the movie theater on the opening and, uh, and, and take it in, see what that's all about. So uh, nothing really new to report here about Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. But on the TV side of the Superman family... Some of the big news is uh, not only do, as I mentioned in last episode, do we now have the uh, actor who's going to play Supergirl, uh, Melissa Benoist. We've now seen her in her costume. We've seen two pictures, a close-up and uh, a full shot that shows the full costume. And I jokingly said when I first saw that that I don't know if I really, really like it or I'm just relieved that they didn't go in a uh, in another direction. Uh, I, I actually like the costume quite a bit. Traditional S symbol on her chest, even though there's no yellow in the background shield. The red S is highlighted in yellow. I hope you've seen it by now, but check it out online. It's a little darker, but we don't know. It's a dark shot. Um, but sticking to the, the muted palettes that DC has been doing with their characters. I think the red in her cape and skirt, yes, she has a skirt, yay, uh, and boots and red S are about the same shade of red as the Flash in the D, in the uh, CW show by that name, The Flash. And I think that looks terrific. When I first saw his costume in a still image, I kind of went, oh, gee, mm, and no yellow boots either. Wow, I want the, and then I saw it, and I really like the Flash TV show. So, and it looks good in the scenes. So, since a lot of the same people are involved in the Supergirl show, even though it's for CBS and not the CW, I'm really looking forward to this show. So, and we'll talk more about Supergirl in the uh in the second part of the show. But I wanted to lead with that because I think that's very interesting. We do have it now. We've seen what she's going to look like. We also have Felicity 
or Callista Flockhart will be playing Cat Grant, a new take on that character that I'm looking forward to. Uh, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on the show right now, but uh, but the fact that we've seen a couple of other shots, if you go to the Superman homepage at supermanhomepage.com, they've got some other shots from the shooting of the Supergirl show, and it shows her in her uh, secret identity. And yes, she's wearing glasses, and she has her hair pulled up in a different outfit. So um, I'm looking forward to this and... We will do more on Superman Forever Radio the closer we get to that show. I think that show will has a potential to be um, a regular part of this show. I plan on talking about that show as long as it's on the air. So, looking forward to Supergirl. But speaking of costumes... <laughs> oh, man, DC, you've done it again, haven't you? One of the other reasons why the opening to this now has been changed again is because just yesterday, DC released, I think the Nerdist website was the first website to to publish the the picture. But it's the cover, uh, apparently the cover shot from Action Comics number 41. All the text around the costume pictures of this cover are touting it as Superman's new costume. Uh, but what it really is, is, is it's it's the jean and t-shirts costume without the cape, at least on this one image, the cover image apparently of Action Comics 41, shows Superman in the jeans, uh, although they're not blue jeans, they're more like gray jeans, and his blue t-shirt, but it's uh, got the S emblem is the Max Fleischer, the Fleischer cartoon S emblem. It's just beautiful. I love that S emblem, always have. Uh, I'd like to have that t-shirt. Now, Superman himself in this image, very close cropped hair, almost a crew cut look to his hair, Uh, a day or two growth, you know, that he's looking down angrily, fists are clenched down by his side with blood dripping from them, from his knuckles, fists, muscular, very muscular. I jokingly called him online the steroidal refugee from the WWF. Uh, Yeah, he looks that big, that muscular, tight, tight, tight T-shirt, looking down. A non-comic book fan, friend of mine on Facebook, said she saw it and thought he looked like uh, Wolverine wearing a Superman T-shirt. That'll give you some idea of what this image looks like. Now, as far as it being a new costume, we don't know. We don't know the story that's going to go along with this. I think if DC wanted to generate more conversation, they have done so. This image has, you know, once again, created quite a bit of discussion online. Well, I'm interested to see what the storyline is and why he went from the Greg, the current story in Action Comics. Uh, he's been on a kind of self-searching thing. His hair grew out. He had a beard uh, for most of that story. So then uh, that comes to a conclusion in, I think, Action 40. With, no, Action 40 is a bizarre, so that actually did come to an end. And I haven't read 40 yet, Action 40. It's right over there. We'll have to see what the storyline goes, where it goes. You know, I am not opposed to the T-shirt look. You know, periodically they want to put him in that to tell a story. They set that precedent. Grant Morrison set that as a precedent in in Action 1 with the new 52 reboot. An interesting look for the early days of Superman, and it went with the story, leading up to him getting the armored suit. You know, that worked in the the context of the story. 
And I have no, no problem with him going back to that periodically. They want to tell the story that has become an accepted part of this Superman's image and look. But going strictly on this one image that was released, my complaint, and I do have a complaint, but my complaint is not with the t-shirt and jeans look on this cover. And again, not the shirt and jeans, but the, the man himself is for my tastes, Superman doesn't have to look like an over-muscularized, steroid-filled all-star wrestler. He doesn't have to. But most, I don't know, it's just something still about the face of this Superman. And I said it with the John Romita comments of last month. Part of this image does that again. To me, this doesn't look like Superman. I'll be interested to see what the story is, but we'll see. We'll see. That's what we can wait and see. See, I'm one of these guys. These are comic books. And somebody mentioned that, you know, if the story is good, you know, I can look past the art. Okay, that's fine. Some people can do that. I understand that. A good story is a good story, and we love stories. But these are comic books. And to me, it's a 50-50 thing. That artwork has to be there, too. Or it really takes me right out of it, as I expressed last time. That's why I'm having a problem with John Romita Jr. And it's not really with his overall artwork or saying that he's not a good artist. What I'm saying is he's not drawing Superman's face. That's not, I don't see Superman there. And on this particular image that they have released for the cover of Action Comics number 41 doesn't look like Superman. It looks like a big muscular guy with a crew cut. So anyway, we'll see what the story goes on that. <laughs> Why do you think superheroes are so important? People need heroes because they need somebody to inspire them, something to aim for, somebody to try to be like. and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. The other, the caped crusader, carrying out a solemn vow to spend his life warring on all criminals. For seven decades, they've been the world's finest heroes. They've teamed on radio, comics, newspapers, animation, and more. And now, they're teaming up for a podcast. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Up. Oh, and away! Atomic Batman. to Superman and Batman celebrates more than 70 years of the world's finest team with randomly chosen stories featuring the Man of Steel and the Dark Knight. Superman and Batman, featuring your two favorite heroes in one podcast together. Find it today at greatcrypton.com. No email. I have no email. Very sad. No email. There has been some uh, terrific conversations again on Facebook. And um, uh, I, again, I'm not on Twitter, so might be going on over there too. But uh, with my friends and I in the comic book and the Superman community and Facebook world, uh, 
The conversation has been spirited, to say the least, both about the Supergirl's new costume and now Superman's new old, here we go again, look. So we'll see. (laughs) Uh, It's just been terrific. So anyway, no mail, but that's fine because Mailbot is back at the Bob Cave being tweaked for future email. So if you want to send me some email, let me know how you think. What do you think of the new Supergirl costume if you've seen it? What do you think of the new slash old Superman? You like the t-shirt look? Send me some email. Bob at supermanforever.com Gathered together from the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero Superman The Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend featuring Superman and Batman Golden Age Superman the Superman Fan Podcast. The DC Comics Presents Show. From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. It's Superman. The Schuster Herald Podcast. The Carousel Podcast. Superman Forever Radio. Superman Lives. Up, up, and away. Cadmus to Crisis, a Superboy podcast. The Amateur Steel, a John Henry Allen podcast. The world's best podcast. And Radio Kale from supermanhomepage.com. Join hosts. Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, Russell Bright, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, Sam Rizzo, Danny Sapp, Bob Fisher, Chris Moe, Mario Benessi, Drew Wintermeyer, David Byer, Matthew Epps, I'm Isaac, I'm Adam, Dave Eunice, and co-host Scotty V. At supermanpodcastnetwork.com. When I became the host of the Superman Forever Radio podcast, I took out a notebook and wrote out a whole list of things that I wanted to talk about. Of course, on that list was Supergirl. And I also have a bowl, as the regular listeners might know. I have a bowl that uh, I put slips of paper in with little topics, one or two word topics. And periodically on the show, I'll just grab one out and off the top of my head, just talk about uh, whatever's on that slip of paper, uh, just off the top of my head. My general knowledge of that topic. Supergirl is also in that bowl. So I had planned to talk about Supergirl all along. And then they uh, announced the TV show. CBS announced the TV show. So I moved it up on the list a little higher and thought, great, this will be great. I'll get to this uh, when the show comes out sooner. You know, at about the time the show comes out, I'll do, you know, uh, a Supergirl episode. Then they announced uh, some of the cast members and I thought, oh, this is cool. I'll mention it on some other shows and get ready for the episode as it gets closer to air. Well, then they released a picture of Melissa Benoist in the Supergirl suit, in the Supergirl costume. And I thought, hey, (laughs) I think I'll do the show now because I have a feeling this show, the Supergirl show on CBS... I'm actually looking forward to it, and I'll be doing probably some regular segments about the show once it airs uh, as part of this show, the Superman Forever Radio podcast. I'm really looking forward to that. So we'll see as that goes along. But in the meantime, 
I thought I'm going to do a Supergirl show and talk basically about the Supergirl uh, and what I know about Supergirl from the comics and maybe some of the earliest uh, incarnations of the character in the comics or of even just a Supergirl in the comics. Well, three things came to mind immediately. Three stories came to my mind immediately. And I actually made a couple of assumptions that turned out to be inaccurate. Uh, And one of them, one of the assumptions was that one of the three stories I'm going to talk about briefly, I'm not going to do large synopsis briefly, but one of the three stories I thought came way before, years before the other two. And I made that assumption based on the artist that drew it. And the fact, when I first read it as a kid, I read that story in one of the annuals. I now have the original. It's part of Superboy number 78. It's the first story in that comic. That comic on the cover has uh, Superboy meeting Jor-El, his father, a ghost of his father. But uh, the first story in uh, Superboy number 78 is dedicated to a, quote, Supergirl, which I will get to. And it I assumed, again, because of the artist, John Sakella, John Sakella, that it was a much older story than it actually was until I looked it up and saw, oh, really? That's, that's surprising. <laughs> and uh, then I had to look up John Sakella and went, oh, my goodness. No wonder. The man drew for DC for over 20 years uh, and drew hundreds of Superboy stories starting in 1941. And he was one of the first Superboy comics I ever read was an early adventure comics in the trunk, in my cousin's trunk, if you'll remember. And it was drawn by John Sakella. So to me, John Sakella meant it's a really old comic book. And then to find out that he was actually drawing comics into the 60s. So... (laughs) You know, you learn something. It's just terrific. So anyway, the first appearance of a Supergirl that, at least in looks, looks very much like the Supergirl that we all know. The blonde with the blue suit uh, and red or blue skirt and cape and boots. The first appearance we see of someone that looks like that is Superman number 123. And who gets credit for... Oh, this is this is the this is the interesting thing. I, I'm going to back up again because remember now my assumption that the John Sakella drawn uh, story about Superboy came way before the other two that I'm going to talk about. And well, it's just wrong. It actually came after after the appearance of the first blonde Supergirl in the traditional outfit that we know. It also came after Action Comics 252 which was the uh, origin and first appearance of the Supergirl that became the most popular and most famous, Kara, the cousin of Superman, also blonde, blue outfit with a red or blue skirt. Then the Superboy number 78 story came about not a blonde, but a story about Superboy becoming a girl with superpowers. And the weird thing, here's another, here's another weird thing. All three of these stories, the first appearance in Superman number 123, which was a story, uh, a three-part story, 
a full full book took up the whole book in three parts uh the first appearance of this supergirl the blonde uh that we know traditional looking supergirl was in superman number 123 released in june of 1958 written by otto binder and in this story jimmy finds a talisman and is granted three wishes and the first wish he makes is for there to be a super girl that would be a mate, a good mate for Superman to help him. This story is, uh, mm, so that's part one uh, of that story of, uh, of Jimmy bringing this woman, this girl, to be a super mate for Superman. And what turns out through the story, and this is part one, is that she actually becomes more, she gets in the way more than she helps. She becomes more of a hindrance to Superman than uh, helpful. Once she realizes this, she sacrifices herself to make Superman happy. Yeah, serious. I'm serious. And that's part one. And then uh, crooks get the talisman in part two and take Superman's powers away. And then part three, well, spoilers, you have to go and find that one. Superman 123 from 1958, June of 1958. That's the first appearance of a Supergirl that we know. And what a tragic and kind of hard to believe when I was reading it again. It was kind of, I had forgotten that whole sacrifice. I didn't remember how it ended. So, wow. Now, the second appearance. Oh, by the way, the credits on Superman number 123, the first appearance of the Supergirl, this traditional looking supergirl that sacrificed herself the story was written by otto binder first time i've said his name out loud actually binder bender it's b-i-n-d-e-r i've always thought of it as binder otto bender kind of sounds like a car crash anyway otto binder wrote the story superman number 123 of the supergirl from jimmy's wish as a mate for superman who sacrifices herself to make superman happy was written by Otto Binder, drawn by Dick Sprang, and Stan Kay inked it. The sec- and that was June of 1958. Nine months later, March 1959, we get Action Comics number 252, and the origin and a first appearance of what became the classic Supergirl. Also written by Otto Binder this time drawn by Al Plastino. And this is the Supergirl that would become Superman's secret weapon. That's her, that's her story. That was her throughout a few years, her first few years in comics. Based on this story in Action Comics number 252, the Supergirl from Krypton, the city, her city, Argo City, survived the, the explosion of Krypton because it was encased in a bubble, in a dome, in a protective dome. But then the ground itself, uh, surviving materials, the ground itself started to turn to green kryptonite, of course, and was killing the citizens. Uh, her father created a lead... Her father was a scientist, Zor-El, Jor-El's brother. That would make him Superman's uncle, of course. So Zor-El uh, saved the, the bubble city, Argo with lead sheeting uh, on the ground to make it so to protect them from the kryptonite. But a meteor shower poked holes. Everybody died, but 
Zorel and Delora, his wife, escaped into another dimension, but put Supergirl in a rocket and sent her to Earth to join her cousin. So she tells the story to Superman. He says, welcome to Earth, and uh, I'm going to put you in this orphanage, and here, put this on. You're now Linda Lee, and you'll be in this orphanage, and I will, and you hide your secret powers. Don't let anybody know that you have superpowers, and I will call you from time to time to help me. So you will be my secret weapon. When I'm off planet or I'm busy doing other things, you will secretly help me as you learn to use your superpowers and learn what it's all about to be uh, a human girl on Earth and what Earth is all about. Eventually, to to uh, actually a very good storyline that led up to uh, her being revealed as uh, his secret weapon to the world. And uh, it was a very good storyline. And then she's adopted from the orphanage. And uh, the one thing about that Supergirl of the Silver Age, those stories, most of those stories from this point on, her first appearance in Action Comics 252, not too long after that, she became a uh, regular backup feature to the main Superman story. So Action would have a Superman story in the front 10, 12 pages. And in the back story, 8 to 12 pages would be a Supergirl story. And the interesting thing about that Supergirl story is it's one of uh, the earliest, in my opinion, I, I would have to look this up again, this is not statistically, but to my recollection, it's one of the earliest examples we see in comics of long-form, ongoing storytelling where a story may take many months to conclude in her story arc. Each would be semi-standalone, would be standalone, uh, meeting her parents for the first time, but then now she has parents, but it's a continuing story. Time was passing. It was, these were not just one-offs. So uh, that I thought was very interesting, and that ends in hindsight. That's looking back at it. Didn't really realize it at the time, reading these comics. And to be honest, I'm not uh, a huge Jim Moon, Mooney fan, and he did most of the art, 90% of the Supergirl art in these backup stories and action comics. Not a huge fan of his, of his work at the time. But the stories were terrific in hindsight, looking back at them. So that's the Supergirl that we really know the most about. Her name, Kara, K-A-R-A, Zor-El daughter of Zor-El and Dulura from the planet Krypton. And that was Action Comics number 252, her origin story. And then came Superboy number 78 a couple of months later in 1959. So after we see these other two stories about a traditional-looking Supergirl, one has nothing to do with their current Kara, to the other one, finally, the real origin. And then a few months later in Superboy, in a story called Claire Kent, Superboy's Super Sister. This one is the one that fooled me. I thought it was much older. But when you look it up, written by Otto Binder, again, all three of them, in less than one year's time period, three stories about a super girl, the Superboy story written by Otto Binder, drawn by John Sakella. And this was later in 1959, actually closer to 1960. So in less than a year's time period, all three. Now, 
I assumed when I was doing the research for this and looking these up and realizing, oh my goodness, Otto Binder did all three of these Supergirl-type stories. And I haven't told you, I understand, I haven't finished telling you about Superboy 78 yet. I'll get there, hold on. Um, But when I realized that Otto Binder did all three of these, I thought, he must have really had, you know, uh, he must have really thought, I need to really, really, there's a need for a super-powered girl, and I'm the guy that's going to do this story. And that's the way I thought when I realized he did all three of these. Until I'm talking to guys on Facebook. There is a couple of guys on Facebook that know quite a bit about this. Uh, and one of the website pages on Facebook I frequent is uh, the Silver Age Mythology of Superman. And I happen to mention this particular, not this particular story, but the auto binder idea of him creating Supergirl and getting credit for creating Supergirl since literally in less than a year three stories about a Supergirl, one of which became huge and famous and, you know, a part of the mythos. And uh, someone on that page said, it may not have actually been Otto Binder that gets creative credit. It gets credit for writing the story, but it could have just as easily been Mort Weisinger that said, Otto, I need a story about a superpowered girl. Go out and write me one. And he kept writing one until we got one in that that uh, Mort liked. So it may have been Mort Weisinger who actually came up with the idea of a superpowered girl and basically gave the assignment. I don't know. Uh, I know that the editors had a lot more apparent control in those days than they apparently do today. But who knows? I don't know. I don't know the the you know how how that worked. Don't know. But. Uh, according to Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics at DCindexes.com, Otto Binder is the creator of Supergirl and the creator of these three stories, the writer of these three stories. Now, what was different? What is different now? We've talked about uh, the Superman 123, which was Jimmy wishing for a supermate who then sacrifices herself. Oh, man. The actual Supergirl and Action 252. And then Superboy 78, Claire Kent, Superboy's super sister. What's that one all about? This is the one I was actually going to do the large synopsis and really talk about uh, because I thought it would be funny. And what this story is, it's a Superboy story, obviously. A rocket, uh, a spaceship is about to crash on Earth. uh, And Superboy, using his supervision, sees it and goes flying towards it to save it does a a super thing to so it lands safely and he uses his x-ray vision and looks at the pilot and realizes that it's a woman and then uh superboy makes <laughs> superboy makes a woman driver joke about how bad women drivers are well no wonder it's crashing it's a woman driver so anyway he saves this this rocket this this spaceship from crashing and then the woman gets out and is about to thank him for that. And and Superboy makes another, you know, comment about uh, women drivers. And she gets very annoyed at this, you know, and she says something about being, you know, a ruler, a princess on her planet. And he says, well, if and it's that it's ruled by women. And he said, well, if if women rule your planet like you drive your spaceship, I'm glad I don't live there and makes another joke about women 
This is Superboy saying these things. So then Superboy starts to fly off laughing as he makes another joke. Well, she says, no, 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 wait a minute. You're going to pay for that. And she points a ring that shoots a ray at it, at him. And then Superboy laughs as he flies away saying, your, your little diamond ray thing doesn't hurt me. I'm Superboy. I'm invulnerable to everything except kryptonite. And flies off. Well, then as he's flying over uh, a body of water, he sees his reflection and realizes that he's no longer a boy. He's actually now a teenage girl. He flies down, looks at himself and goes, oh, my, I have the body of a girl, but I'm still have but I still have the mind of a boy. Oh, no. Well, Immediately, as Superboy did a lot in those days, because, you know, lived at home, Ma and Pa can, he flies into the secret tunnel, flies up, and and tells Mom, Ma Ken, oh no, look, I'm just, oh no. And Ma Ken is just all happy, and she gives him a big hug and says, you're the daughter I've always wanted. Yeah, it's a very, very touching thing. Well, things happen throughout this, where Super Sister is what she calls herself, she keeps on Superboy's costume. It's the same costume. Nothing changes in the costume. But now it's a girl who looks like Superboy with long shoulder-length hair. Actually looks like maybe a teenage... The way she's drawn, she... You know, in your mind, picture maybe like a teenage uh, young Lois Lane wearing a super... A traditional Superboy costume with the tights and the briefs and the cape and all that. Uh, and a teenage girl. So this is Claire Kent. Ma Kent... Uh, immediately makes a complete wardrobe for her, a dress for her to wear, and a secret identity to become Claire Kent, and introduces her to Lana Lang, and they go, well, throughout the rest of the story, uh, Super Sister does super feats, saves people from this, 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 and other things, and does all of these things, but you then realize that everybody that she has helped during that time period had been female, women, girls, who basically were in trouble, not by their own means, but basically because they were girls. Superboy starts to realize certain things about what it's like to be a girl in 1960. And as he is having the light bulb go off over his head and the realization about what a jerk he's been, he's back standing in front of the spaceship and the woman he had saved in the spaceship and realized that he hadn't actually turned into a girl. She had made him, or hypnotized, or made him believe he was a girl for that time period. So all of that had happened basically in his head. Nothing was real. He learned his lesson, and end of story. So, very interesting. Very, just, auto binder. Three stories about a super-powered girl. All three entirely different, even though two of the girls actually looked alike. If you notice, I left out... Uh, I talked a little bit in the beginning of this about the new 52 Supergirl uh, that I stopped basically. And if you don't, I stopped getting, uh, reading the new Supergirl in the new 52 after about issue 10 or 12. I'm not quite sure which one. So I love the cape. I love the top half. I loved her look overall, but not the bottom part of that costume. I didn't like that look of it. Uh, and the stories, I was tired of the angry young girl who would fight first and ask questions later, who wouldn't even get along with the youngish Superman. So I was having some real problems with Supergirl and Superboy in the New 52, so I don't read either one of those two. Uh, and you'll notice that I didn't talk about the Supergirl of the 90s, the, the 
post-crisis Supergirl. And it's basically because I don't really know a whole lot about her. And, you know, I should have called my friend Michael Bailey and and asked him, uh, Mike, you know, tell me a little bit about the Matrix girl. Because, you see, this is, this is something interesting and in why um, I have a little problem with the 90s Supergirl. And I'll throw her in with the same thing as Superboy. I think DC Comics with their reboot in the mid-80s. They did a couple of things uh, were missteps that I think were pretty big, huge missteps in my personal opinion. And two of those missteps were killing off the original Superboy, Superman when he was a boy, replacing him with a clone of Superboy, and killing Supergirl. I think those were two missteps. Both were dramatic stories. Both were particularly the Supergirl story, when at her death, her, the death of the original Supergirl in the Crisis story was, was uh, dramatic. And that cover, the George Perez cover, is just uh, anguish, anguish. But I think that's where the problem was, and those were the two missteps, and they found out, found out, and they found out shortly after that, killing off Superboy and Supergirl, that because it was part of the the make uh, Superman truly the last son of Krypton, the sole survivor of Krypton. So they went through and pretty much got rid of whatever they could, whatever they could that was Kryptonian other than Superman. And I think those were two mistakes, uh, Superboy and Supergirl. They then replaced in the 90s and they said, well, you know, and here's here comes some snark. Then they realized, you know, that Superboy and that Supergirl, those were pretty popular characters. Those were pretty cool we should bring these guys back here in the 90s. But instead of bringing them back, they replaced them with their own ideas. In Superboy's case, he was no longer uh, Superman when he was a boy. He was a clone of Superman. And that's the, that's the, 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 the template they've gone back to uh, time and time again. Uh, first, after the death of Superman with the clone of Superboy the one with the leather jacket and the red pants and the sunglasses. Uh, I think he was my favorite of all of the clones. I think he was my favorite of all the clone Superboys. Uh, he was fun. I enjoyed him. Then there was the Young Justice, the same clone, the misunderstood, his place. Uh, I am a clone of Superman, but he's kind of like my idol, my father figure, but he doesn't know how to react to me because I'm a clone of him, but I'm only a teenager. What is Superman's responsibility? I mean, it brings up interesting questions of, of morality and all kinds of things. Interesting questions when you've got a clone uh, that, what, do you, what are your responsibilities to that teenage clone? So, but the, and they've gone back to that in the New 52, but is no longer. So they go back to that. Uh, but here, the snark is that that's what it is. You know, they, they thought these guys are so popular, we need to bring them back. And they brought back Fat Superboy. And when Supergirl's case, they didn't, they didn't bring Kara back. It is, I don't know what it is. It's an alien matrix protoplasm thing. I don't know if she even has gender. Who has taken the appearance of Supergirl. And in so many ways, that's even more devious than the clone. Because then you start forgetting that she is a Matrix and she's not Kara of Supergirl. But you start having the feelings for that character that you used to have for Kara. And, and it just never felt right or comfortable. Especially the, the whole 
um, affair with Lex Luthor, too. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, that's where I had a problem with that one. But the show apparently is going to draw from elements of the Action Comics 252 Kara. The, they have already cast, and I'm basing this based on the fact that, not reading much other than the fact of actors they have already hired to play the parts of her parents, her Kryptonian parents. So we know there's going to be a Zorel and an Allura, which means there will be some sort of uh, a Kryptonian connection. And the look is a much more traditional look. It looks like the girl that's popping out of the rocket ship in Action Comics 252. Actually, she looks more like the girl pulling the train in Superman 123. But needless to say, I'm looking forward to it. I think we've had a great run of DC characters on TV, and I'm really, really looking forward to Supergirl. It could die. It could be terrible. It could be... Uh, what everybody is, what many people are dreading, that it's just too dark, it doesn't have the light and the hope and the inspiration that we want from our super characters, particularly Superman and Supergirl. But uh, this time, for some reason, I'm actually really looking forward to what they do with Kara Zor-El, Supergirl from Krypton. Well, that's it. Thanks. I hope you've enjoyed my Supergirl rants, my talks been fun putting this one together i learned a lot i hope you look back at some of these these have been reprinted in in trays particularly action comics number 252 that's been everywhere the kara zor-el thing has been in practically every trade greatest stories ever told to um it's it that one's easy to find the claire kent (laughs) where Superboy becomes super sister that's a little more difficult to find uh but it's out there Superman is based on the original character appearing in Action Comics and Superman Magazine. Superman is copyright DC Comics. Supergirl is copyright DC Comics. Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Supergirl created by Otto Binder. And maybe Mort Weisinger. One, two!